Aloha and welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School, live from Maui, Hawaii. My name is Michael Benner, and uh, our topic this week is the strength of diversity. The strength of diversity, the power of diversity. We could also call it the power of unity, as we're going to talk about the dialectic, if you will, of diversity and unity and the polar relationship. We're going to talk about unity and diversity as polarities and the way in which they complement each other, the way they require each other. You, you really have to have a sense of unity in order for there to be diversity of a group and vice versa. Certainly the strength of unity uh, requires diversity. So that's what we're calling the strength of diversity, is the strength of the whole, which is unity and diversity, not just one or the other, but but both. And uh, I'm going to ask you to conceive of a bar magnet with a North Pole and a South Pole, and see if you can get beyond the idea that magnetically, North Pole and South Pole and a bar magnet are opposites. I mean, in a sense, your left hand and your right hand are opposites. But when you bring them together and fold your hands in the middle, they become complementary. They work together. They fit very nicely, (laughs) almost as if designed to do so. And so to say, well, my left hand and my right hand are opposites has a limited truth, but it's not the whole truth. It's more of a complementary nature. And uh, again, I really like the idea of polarities as a way of transcending the appearance of opposites. That's about as difficult as this is going to get. That's not hard, right? And yet, it can change your life. This is a really important concept in breaking out of the tendency that most people have to think in a binary fashion, as if everything is one way or the opposite way. Remember after 9-11, our president at the time, George W. Bush, said, you're either with us or against us. In other words, if you didn't support his program exactly as he laid it out, then you were an enemy, no matter who you were. You had to completely support him or you're on the other side. No middle way. (laughs) I mean, this this is the core of wisdom, the idea that the heart is in the middle, that there is a middle way. This is where wisdom is found. And it's not always on the 50 yard line, of course. The middle is the whole playing field from one end zone to the other. The entire swing of the pendulum is the middle way or the third way all the combinations and permutations it's it's so important to break out of binary thinking because it requires you to manage stress you see it's stress and anxiety nervousness and worry and doubt and apprehension fear by any word that causes us to think in terms of everything or nothing, 
horrible place to be unless you're in real danger, in which case you'll recover as soon as you survive by fighting or running away, so-called fight or flight. And once you survive, you can begin to consider the permutations and combinations, the, the variations of a third way, a fourth possibility, a fifth way of looking at things. This is called creativity, of course. And yet most people are not. They are so stressed, so nervous, so frightened throughout their entire lives that we tend to get stuck in fight or flight and see everything as this way or that. And any difference then is perceived as an opposite. Right? Um, this is very damaging to your existence. It debilitates you. It weakens you when you see every variation and every difference from the way you've been told things should be as somehow in opposition to the way things should be, rather than part of a field or a whole set of possibilities that enrich your life. And that's what diversity is, to see people who disagree with you not as a threat, but as enriching you is really central to the wisdom philosophies of all cultures and all times. And that's why I really like using the bar magnet model. It's that and the pendulum, both of them, are very strong ways of breaking free from the idea of binary thinking, that everything is either black or white, no shades of gray, no rainbows in between. All differences are opposites. You know what I'm talking about. You know, I'll bet, how frustrating it is to have to deal with people that can't seem to get beyond the idea that even if you agreed with them in the vast majority of situations and circumstances, when you disagree even slightly, they dig in their heels and get defensive and treat you like the enemy. Right? <laughs> you got that? In marriages, you see the same thing. This is totally fear-based. When somebody reacts or responds in this way and fails to see the beauty and the richness of diversity, you're dealing with a frightened person. And frightened, anxious, stressed out, nervous people are dangerous people because they don't see very much. They live in a black and white world, right? Everything is cut and dry. And as I say, if, if every difference, every creative variation is a threat and perceived as in opposition to the one right way that this person sees, well, they're not going to be much fun to be around. They're not going to be very good at problem solving. They're not going to make a very good spouse. And all you got to do, you know, many times we think, well, the solution is to get them to agree with us. But that's not the solution. The solution is to teach people to relax, 
to release their fears and their stresses and their anxieties so that they can feel safe enough for the brain to recognize the third way. And we have exactly that kind of a situation in discussing today unity and diversity as what at first glance might appear to be opposites. Unity, everybody in accord, everybody in alignment, everything being in agreement. We're all getting along. We've created harmony and unity by the fact that we all agree. Isn't that where strength comes from? Well, no. As a matter of fact, that's not where strength comes from. Strength in all systems, and I'm going to give you a couple examples today, comes from diversity. Unity requires diversity. And diversity is the complement of unity, like the polarity of the North Pole and the South Pole and the bar magnet that I mentioned, or your two hands, which only appear to be opposite. They're actually quite complementary. They fit together very nicely, designed, actually, to work together because they appear to be opposite. It's like the two sides of the same coin. You know, we've heard that all of our lives. We sort of take it for granted but it's really quite a profound concept. Heads and tails, to the most simple-minded person, are opposites, but they're not far apart. (laughs) They're part of the same coin. So how opposite could they be if they're really part of the same thing? And you can't have a coin with only one side. You find a lot of this in Eastern philosophy, especially Taoism. References also in Buddhism to the appearance of duality and the importance of unifying through harmony, through the middle way, a vision that is non-dual. When you first start looking at Eastern philosophy, you run into duality and non-duality. Well, references to non-duality are references to a greater whole. Okay, uh, Two sides of the same coin is a great way to begin to ponder this. Then there is the bar magnet where, as I've already hinted, we know the North Pole and the South Pole to be opposite in some senses. But again, more completely complementary and the third element the heart and soul of that bar magnet is neither the North Pole or the South Pole but the way in which the two are unified by this third element which is the magnetic field around the bar magnet and the magnetic field at every point is both North Pole and the South Pole I get so frustrated by living in a world where people keep putting or where and should be. 
They say it's this or that. Hey, it's you or me, buddy. No, it's you and me. There's been some right-wing dust-up this week about Barack Obama's speech on Israel, recognizing the 1967 borders as a place to begin to create true peace in the Middle East. That's exactly the same position as George W. Bush and Bill Clinton and the vast majority of the people of Israel, although you wouldn't know it to listen to the American media. Much of the support for Israel, of course, is not political. It's religious. It has to do with what we just went through, this end-of-the-world stuff, and this idea that Israel plays a role in the second coming and the rapture and all of that. And so the reason big parts of the right wing support Israel unconditionally and oppose, in many ways, either or, their enemies, the Palestinians, the Arabs, the Jordanians, whatever you want to call them, is this twisted, I would say, twisted view of the end times, revelation, the rapture, um, Jesus is coming and he's really pissed, uh, all of that. I thought about commenting on it. I said before I started the podcast recorder, I probably would. I think that's about as much as I really want to say about hucksters and religion and people being superstitious. It sort of speaks for itself. You just got to sort of wish more people were in touch with their own sense of what's right and wrong. And uh, accepted the admonition of wise women and men, again, part of the wisdom tradition of all cultures and all societies, not to believe anything that doesn't resonate in your heart and in your mind as true, no matter what people say, especially if the guy's collecting millions of dollars while purporting to speak for God Almighty and to predict what the same book says you should not predict, for no man could possibly know. Jesus said, even I don't know. <laughs> but this radio talk show host in California, he knows as a result of getting millions, tens of millions of dollars. I mean, I may sound cynical, but if I'm cynical, it's in the best sense of seeing through what really is transparent if you're open and sensitive. So without getting any deeper into that, and really too far afield. Let's stay with this idea of unity and diversity as having three elements. Like the bar magnet, yes, there's a North Pole and a South Pole, and the appearance of opposites. But as you understand the third element, the magnetic field, you see that there is absolutely no point in the three dimensions of that magnetic field that are not both the North and the South. So it's okay for you, as a woman or man of conscience, to want in the Middle East what's best for both sides. That's 
an odd view that most people won't take. They will argue one side or the other vehemently, the same tired old arguments you've heard ever since the 67 war or even before that. Right, going back to the late 40s when the state of Israel was partitioned and created by Europe, <laughs> of all places. And the United States had a hand in that, too. Deciding this would be this place called Israel, since the Jews got run out of there in, what was it, 47 A.D. or something. Well, you had to know there were going to be problems, and if Arabs see Jews as a threat, refuse to recognize their right to exist, and vice versa, Jews say, well, we've got to lock down these Palestinians. We have to occupy this territory, build walls, limit their freedom and access, and so They fail to see that they're both Semitic peoples. They're both uh, sons of Abraham. They... This is like three or four thousand years of sibling rivalry, really. They're two parts of the same thing. They just can't seem to get along. And there's no reason for you to allow yourself to be suckered in to having to choose one side or the other. You can be wise. You can take a breath and relax, <laughs> feel safe, release your fear, and almost magically rise above it and from that elevated perspective desire and speak about what's best for everyone involved that'll make you a very exceptional person instantaneously people won't know exactly how to deal with you and sometimes that can be a rather small platform uh, with slippery slopes all around you and you can find yourself getting uh, uh, seduced or tempted uh, to get into an argument on this point or that point and suddenly you find yourself acting as if partisan choosing one argument over another choosing one side over another choosing right over wrong when it's a false dichotomy in the bar magnet North Pole and South Pole is one end of the bar magnet right and the other end of the bar magnet, wrong? Well, of course not. As soon as you remember the third element, the magnetic field that unifies it, then every location around the bar magnet, no matter where it is, is both north and south in its polarity. Yin and yang, don't you see? In balance. Might be a 90-10 balance, might be a 60-40 balance, or a 40-60 balance. It could be 51-49 balance, or a 50-50. could be 99-1. But that's the middle, the whole playing field, from the one-yard line past the 50 all the way to the one-yard line. That whole thing is the middle. That's the third element. That's the heart and the soul of every model. The word heart and the word soul means center. It's that third element in the middle between the appearance of opposites that resolves what seems to be contradiction. 
And so when we discuss, as I've suggested today, we talk about the strength of diversity, we need to recognize the inherent weakness of binary, either-or, black-and-white thinking. Everything or nothing is if all differences are opposites. It's very much in your interest, in the most practical way, for you to ruminate, to reflect and ponder on these concepts, even to play this podcast again a second time, a third time. I hear from people that listen to these programs three or four times, and they say it's not until the third or fourth pass that I really get it, because there's so much here. You know, it's not that I'm providing all of this deep, profound, complex information. What I'm saying week to week is usually pretty simple and rather basic. But it's designed to bring up in you a lot of confusion, to kick up a lot of dust and to create some mental and emotional turmoil so you can take another look at things. And as part of the process of of aging and maturing with more experience to draw upon, to get an ever new and and more complete understanding of the nature of reality. And this is very, very important. Now, again, in the same sense, because of the biases of high-stress binary thinking, people are going to presume, especially when they're worried or frightened or stressed, that the best way to create any kind of unity or strength is to get everybody to agree, to be in alignment, to be in accord. We have to create uniformity or conformity and get everybody on the same page if we're going to create a strong, unified, even the word unit, suggests unity, and we think of that as coming from everybody agreeing. I mean, wherever you stand on the political spectrum, it's understandable you would want other people to agree with you. And it's tempting to want to surround yourself as if you would be enriched by people who all agree with you. I listen occasionally. It's difficult for me to tolerate a lot of what passes for punditry and talk radio is so vicious and nasty in this era. It always sounds like sour grapes because I'm an extinct species. I was a progressive talk show host. That's not a, <laughs> that's not allowed anymore. So it always has the potential of sounding like sour grapes for me to go on about the right-wing talk radio, but it is damaging America. It's already destroyed the Republican Party. They may not have anybody to run against Barack Obama. And the nastier and the more vicious they get, the more they lie, the sillier and more irrelevant the right-wing seems to be. And where are the conservatives in all of this? 
You know, there's nothing conservative about the right wing anymore. Like, <laughs> I feel sorry sometimes for conservatives because they have legitimate values and beliefs. It's just been taken to such an extreme as to be absurd. Donald Trump fired himself. Now, he's not going to run. Mike Huckabee was jamming with Ted Nugent on the lewd cat scratch fever the other day just before saying Jesus told him not to run for president. Um, what are we left with? Sarah Palin and Michelle Bachman uh, on the right. It, it's just it's fascinating, if nothing else. So we have to be sensitive to and reject out of hand this false, but I'll admit, seemingly apparent and obvious belief that the strength of any whole system comes from everybody agreeing and overlaying right and wrong on what should be a full range of ideas and beliefs. In fact... The strength of unity comes through harmony, from diversity. And that's a very nice trinity. We talk a lot about unity and diversity. There's even an organization in Los Angeles that was started nearly 30 years ago by a friend of mine, a Reverend Leland Stewart, called the Unity and Diversity Council, a very progressive pro-peace organization. The Unity and Diversity Council. Well, those are the polarities of the bar magnet. What's the heart and soul of unity and diversity? It's harmony. The third element in the middle is harmony. Between unity and diversity, the magnetic field that unifies the polarities of unity and diversity is harmony. And so we get unity and strength through harmony from diversity. Not from all, uh, all things being uh, in agreement or in alignment or in accord, but quite the contrary, from the richness of diversity. From people disagreeing, that enriches us. People having different languages that they speak, that's not a threat, except to the most simple-minded. To have the ability to speak two, three, or four languages expands your ability to think. Many people's thought process is limited to language. Fortunately, you, most people anyway, have the ability to think in abstracts beyond the limitations of language. But many people, if they can't say it in words, they can't think it. And if you've only got one language to pull on, there's many things you'd like to say that you can't find the words to say unless you knew a second language or a third language or a fourth language, you see. Also, different approaches to spirituality, different religions, per se, uh, different philosophies, better said, that enriches us. Um, different customs, different traditions, 
my goodness, different foods, different cultures and ethnicities, different worldviews. If you see them as a threat, that's your problem. You need to fix yourself. Find out what am I afraid of that I am tempted to adopt either or binary, simple-minded, black and white thinking and see everything that disagrees with my worldview in any way as opposite, therefore in opposition, therefore a threat, which makes me even more afraid, and now I've got a vicious cycle, right, of fear causing simple-mindedness that creates more fear and more confusion and more fear and more confusion, and you just spiral down, cyclonic pulling you down a vicious cycle, right? So we have to challenge ourselves, I'll say it this way, to manage our fears, our stresses and anxieties so that the brain is able to release its preoccupation with survival and pull on the higher brain functions to begin to see the harmonizing element, the third way, the middle way, and recognize that differences and variations and permutations and combinations are choices that set us free. Think of them as choices, not threats. <laughs> and now you're free to choose a little of this and a little of that and a part of this and a part of that. Right? Sort of like Roscoe's chicken and waffles. It might never occur to you if you hadn't been to Roscoe's or lived in the South that you can put chicken and waffles on the same plate. You say, well, that's breakfast, those waffles and this is dinner, this fried chicken. What do you <laughs> Who would ever put them together? Well, lots of people in the southern U.S., that's a big deal on Sunday. And it's wonderful if you've ever, <laughs> if you've ever had it on the same plate, you can understand it. Just a lot of my examples are food examples, but... I think you understand my point. We need to challenge ourselves to feel safe enough to use the higher brain function that sees differences not as threats but as choices, ultimately as a path to freedom. And to seek diversity in our lives, to embrace people, concepts, belief systems, that are outside of our narrow parochial belief systems if we are to grow and understand. This is core wisdom. Very, very simple in one sense, and yet the ramifications, the implications are very, very profound. A couple of examples, and then we'll go to your questions and your comments. Uh, you have a text box in front of you. If you're with us live today on the web, just type your comment or your question into the text box. Add your name and city, and be sure and click on Submit when you're done. That passes it through. 
And if you're on the telephone or using Skype, press star 2 to indicate, to create a little flag, to raise your hand, and uh, that'll let me know that you want to come online with your question or comment. And we'll do that in just a minute. You can do that at any time. And I'll come around to do that in a minute. I want to give you a couple of quick examples of this. I think the first is the life support system we know as the planet's ecosystem, the environment, where no matter how you slice it, no matter how you look at it, diversity creates the strength of unity. As species of animals and plants become extinct, and there is less and less diversity, the whole of the system is weakened and debilitated by the lack of diversity. You can see this in agriculture, the so-called banana republic or the one-crop economy. If some, say, uh, plant disease comes through, some fungus or blight and the only thing you grow is bananas or cotton or coffee or whatever. And it gets wiped out by this blight, this fungus, this you know invasion of insects or whatever. Um, you're in big trouble. If you had an economy that was diverse, if you were planting in an agrarian economy many different kinds of crops. Maybe you just grow apples, but instead of only growing one kind of apple, you grow dozens of different species of apple. Then maybe one species of apple is affected by this fungus or this blight, but the others are not. You have the same thing in investing, investing your money. The wisdom is always keep a diverse portfolio. Don't put all of your eggs in one basket. You know, don't don't buy just this particular stock. You want to have different types of stocks and some bonds, so-called mutual funds, in a variety of areas. Some stocks, some bonds, some in industry, some in the service economy some in commodities, a diverse portfolio. So if, if one area takes a hit, the other areas that probably were not affected by a certain market condition will keep you solvent rather than wipe you out. Again, the second example where diversity is required for unity and strength. A third example comes from a Supreme Court decision in 1945, I put this in the newsletter this week, it's, it, I learned this in college, it's called the Associated Press versus the United States. And in the majority opinion, the Supreme Court wrote that in a democracy, in a free society, a free flow of information, basically news, has to come from diverse and antagonistic sources. Now, that wisdom has been overlooked recently as the Supreme Court, the Congress, 
the various agencies of government like the FCC have been stacked with industry people. You may have read or heard the news recently where a right-wing corporate shill managed to be appointed to the FCC by George Bush, approved the Comcast-NBC merger as a member of the Federal Communications Commission, a federal agency, and then as soon as the merger was approved, quit the FCC to join NBC as a vice president in charge of governmental affairs. It's so corrupt and incestuous, you'd think these people would be ashamed to show their faces, but actually they not only show their faces, but they're revered by the business community for being so efficient and so effective. Of course, it's contrary to the public interest. They're not working in the public interest, they're working in their own interest, but that's part of the problem of the takeover of the government by narrow corporate interests. Um, Diverse and even antagonistic sources, the Supreme Court said back in the mid-1940s, that you should find no comfort in going from ABC to NBC to CBS to CNN and hearing the same thing over and over and over, the same news in the same order, the same sense of priorities, the same worldview, and the same emphasis, that does not serve you. It might reassure people that they're getting the truth because everybody's saying it the same way, but if you reflect on what we're talking about in this program, it should ring bells and send up flares. You ought to go, wait a minute, where is the diversity? We're all better served if we go out of our way to expose ourselves to news and information from diverse and even antagonistic sources. Information that conflicts, that's from a very different point of view. And you become the third element, the person in the middle that has to resolve those contrasting points of view. You're much better informed if you read something from one worldview and then seek out a very different point of view to contrast with it. Most people would rather be in a situation where they simply are surrounded by yes-men and people who agree with you, but that's, in fact, a very foolish and dangerous uh, situation. Finally, an example that I think is quite profound, and you may have never even thought of this, it only occurred to me recently because I saw a video of a TED Talk that was made, I don't remember the fellow's name, only that he was from the Move On organization, Progressive Democrats. And he was at this TED Talk where there were senior representatives from Google and Yahoo, and Microsoft, and he was calling them out for the way they've written the search algorithms. Google, for example, I wonder if you've ever noticed this, a Google search will give entirely different results to two people who use exactly the same terms. 
So if we have our computers side by side, and you go to Google and search for these terms, whatever they are, and I do the same thing, exact same search terms, spelled the same way, you know, in the same order, we're going to get entirely different results. Because Google has written algorithms, and Yahoo and all of the others have done the same thing. Facebook does this too. Their algorithms are written to give you what it thinks you want based on your patterns. There is no thought given to what you need no thought given to the importance of giving you diverse and contrasting information for your own benefit. And this weakens everyone involved. And it's ironic because we thought computers were decentralizing information so that we could have it our way, right? And in fact, we're not getting it our way. We're getting it the way the computer algorithm thinks we want it, which is in agreement, in accord with our past behavior. And if you have the opportunity to write to these companies, uh, to express yourself in this regard and say, rewrite these al algorithms. I want a more objective, less subjective approach to my access to information. If you're on Facebook, you'll see the same thing. You have two news feeds. You have your wall, and then there's two news feeds. One is most recent. That's the chronological flow of all of your friends posting on Facebook. But there's another news feed called Top News. And you'll watch that getting smaller and smaller, representing fewer and fewer of your contacts or your Facebook friends because they're giving you only the posting of the people that you've talked to most or communicated with for the most in the past. And it gets narrower and narrower and narrower. And after a few months, you start getting posts on Facebook only from people who agree with you. <laughs> You're not getting diverse and antagonistic information from your Facebook newsfeed, from your Google searches or Yahoo or any of the other search engines. Excuse me. So this the Supreme Court decision called AP versus United States in the mid-40s, the importance of diverse and antagonistic information in educating people, making sure they're well-informed and can participate intelligently in the democratic process, or the environment, the ecosystem, the strength of diversity, unity, and the strength of any whole system requires and demands diversity and even antagonism. You certainly see that in nature, right? You have diverse species eating each other <laughs> and each evolving different means of surviving. 
Some animals run real fast. Some animals can fly away. Some change color and blend into the background. Some have venoms and poisons and on and on and on. All these clever ways of surviving. Plants, some plants actually generate uh, herbicides to keep other plants away at bay. Some have thorns. It's quite amazing. You can see nature striving for diversity. Why would you want only agreement when everything around you works so much better, so much more effectively, so, so, so much more wonderfully and beautifully when we're exposed to diversity? We really have to go out of our way to make sure that diversity is available to us in all ways, at all times, and in all places. All right? That's my appeal to you today. I want to remind you, it occurs to me to mention that on our primary website for this program, we have sister websites, FocusedPassion.com and TheAgelessWisdom.com. And on TheAgelessWisdom.com, under webinars, if you go to The Ageless Wisdom, click on Enter, and then Webinars, you'll see the archive of all the past classes. And right near the top is a little gadget. Send one to a friend. And I'd like to encourage you to do this. When you listen to one of these programs and somebody you know comes to mind, and for whatever reason you think of them, and consider that they might enjoy or benefit from a particular program, log on to the Ageless Wisdom. Click on Enter and then Webinars, and just supply. It's very simple. Just click on Send One to a Friend, and it'll ask for a first name. It'll ask for an email address and which program you want to send them. And then you click the button, and we send the email with a link so they get to hear the program that you've decided they might really enjoy. And there is also a place, if you so choose, to add a little message or a few words just to say hi and tell them why you're sending them the program. It's uh, a popular thing for people to do, to use email or Facebook to forward news articles and pictures and jokes and chain letters that threaten you with death if you don't pass it on. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people are shareaholics. They like to do this. And uh, those of us who are promoting and promulgating even free programs want more and more people to know about it and Who's in a better position to know who's going to be interested? Well, obviously not me. It's going to be you. You know who you know. I don't know who you know who might really be interested in this program or that program or maybe the whole series. So um, that's two requests I have for you today. Leave a nice comment, something truthful and honest and a fair rating at uh, the iTunes store around this podcast and then if you would 
forward some of these to your friends, the people who you think would be interested, whether they want them or maybe you decide they need them, even if they don't want them, forward some of these programs on doesn't cost you a nickel. We have the same thing over at FocusedPassion.com, where our premium audio program that my business partner, Steve Snyder, and I do is available for 99 cents when you subscribe at 3.96 a month. That's pocket change. It also makes this possible. So if your conscience tells you, I sure would like to support what supports me, and all of these mystery school classes are free, how do they do that? Well, 99 cents a week will support this and provide for you a studio quality conversation every week on human potential with guided imagery exercise. Steve and I together, stimulating each other in conversation, compelling conversation to places that neither of us would go without the other. And so the best stuff that we do, real powerful content, is available for 99 cents, less than a buck. Not much you can get for less than a buck. So get over to Focused Passion, subscribe. That's an 80% discount. If you set up a free account and buy programs from the archives, they're $4.95 apiece. But if you subscribe, and there's no contract, you can unsubscribe with a single click. You can do it on your account page at any time. Subscribe for $3.96 a month. People told me, somebody told me the other day they couldn't afford it. I said, gosh, parking meters must terrify you. Um, if <laughs> don't know uh, the resistance. But I do know if you like these programs, you're going to find the series Finding Yourself in Paradise really, really important and powerful. And all my friends subscribe to it and absolutely, absolutely love it. I'd appreciate it. At least get a free account going so you can get six sample programs and, and get a little taste of what it's like. Just provide your first name and an email address at focusedpassion.com. And next time you log in, you'll even a minute later, you'll get a built-in player with the six free programs in it. And uh, it's really smart. You can send that to your podcast folder as well in iTunes or use your reader in the browser, whatever browser you use. It's all very cool. So let's see what folks have to say. I don't see any hands raised on the telephones. Nobody seems to want to speak up on the telephone this week. I'll come back and check that in a minute. So let's go to the text Q&A and see who we have there with us live today. Looks like lots of people here. Um, first of all, in Playa del Rey, Dutch Merrick says, Good morning and aloha from Playa del Rey. Hello, Dutch. Buddy of mine, I haven't heard from in a long time. Nice to hear from you. Aloha, Dutch. Carol Postel in La Habra says hello. And she's glad she's got her computer back from the shop. She's been offline for a couple of weeks. I know the feeling. It's a horrible feeling to be without your computer, isn't it? 
Glad you got your machine back. Uh, Craig, Craig's last name always gives me a challenge. Dizkowski? I, I think so. <laughs> Sorry, Greg. Greg Dizkowski in Avon Lake, Ohio. He said, uh, can you still call in to ask your question on the phone? Uh, oh, you just announced it. There you go. So he answered his own question. Yeah, but I don't see you on the phone there, Greg. If you look on the website right in front of you, you might have to back up, use the backup key or and your browser or come back in the front door a second time, and you'll see the option to listen by telephone. And you have the number that's provided as well as a link to other numbers, local numbers. You can find an area code near you, so there's no toll call. Some of you, it doesn't matter, but if it does, choose an area code that's that you're in or one very nearby and call that number and enter the uh, conference code to get online and then press star two i'll go back and check a little later star two just flags and says you want to you want to talk canova park phil joffe is with us and uh he says let's see he wants me to mention somebody's name um, again, I'm not sure how to pronounce this. Kisia, I think. And uh, Donna in Albuquerque. Hello, Donna. She says, hello, Michael. Wonderful topic. A topic you delivered with grace and gentleness. Oh, aren't you kind? Thank you. She says, I've been working with Native Americans for the last 25 years. Most of them are gentle and spiritual and have taught me so much. Diversity matters for sure. And um, let's see, Greg again in Ohio. Unity, diversity, Michael. Would the analogy of the soul follow the same lines? Truth, love would be the medium. That's right. The soul is the middle also. Right? Wouldn't that make sense? The heart is the middle. The soul is the middle. Love is the middle. Right? Uh, for example, magnetism and the heart and soul would be the poles, North Pole and South Pole. Would you please comment? Now, the, magne the, uh, the magnetic nature is love. Love is magnetic. You say, I'm attracted to you. You can feel the pole where love is present. So that's the magnetic field. But the North Pole and South Pole are spirit and matter. The North Pole is often given the gender of father, as if God is a man, father, spirit. Mother, matter, the word matter means mother. That's the South Pole, the material world. So spirit and matter would be North and South. Father, spirit, mother, matter. And then the sun is the middle. That's the love, the soul, the Christ, the Buddha nature, the magnetic field. Yeah, that's exactly what I was getting at. Okay, let's see. Some people coming on. Fill again, fill again, fill again. <laughs> uh, David in Woodland Hills. I don't know what this means. 
Sorry, David, but thank you for being there. Bruce in Brooking says aloha. Just dropped in to say hi and wish everyone well. Thanks for a great topic. I'll have to catch the full class on the replay. That's fine. The replay is up minutes after we conclude. Okay. And Patricia Vega in Los Angeles uh, said it all. What can I say? What can I say? Thank you, Patricia. Check out the Ning site for Patricia's art. She keeps putting the most fantastic artwork, theagelesswisdom.ning.com. Sign up and sign in. Kasha's with us in Irvine, too. Hello, Kasha. He says, greetings to all on the very first day of the new era. Let's assume that the world did end yesterday, and now we're beginning anew with a clean slate and new eyes. Very well said, and uh, wonderful to hear from you. Thanks. Well, let's see. Uh, we've still got about 20 minutes left, so I am going to do the guided imagery exercise. So I'd like you to get comfortable. Find a, This is a good time for you. Find a comfortable place. And do a couple of shoulder shrugs and some head rolls. Just shake off the tension as you get comfortable. Sit back and relax. I'm going to have a little sip of my coffee here. Close your eyes. And put your attention on the end of your nose on the bottom of your nose, on that ridge line of cartilage between the nostrils, gently rest your awareness. And begin to inhale a nice, slow, deep breath through the nose. Until you peak, hold for just a moment, and then exhale through the mouth or the nose. And then go beyond where you'd normally stop all the way out before taking another nice, slow inhalation through the nose. Hold, and this time as you exhale, slowly make it a sigh of relief, a sigh of release. Even if you don't make the sound, just feel the letting go. And do that two or three more times, slow, deep breathing, and as you exhale, feel the letting go. The word nirvana literally means sigh of relief. Ah, let go. And then allow your breathing to find its natural rhythm. And spend a couple of minutes simply watching your breath. Watch your body breathing itself, all by itself. In much the same way as you might watch the waves on the shore of the ocean. As you inhale, Think of the waves rolling in and crashing on the beach as you exhale just as slowly. See the water drained back to the sea. 
and mindfully detach yourself. Just take a step back as if witnessing from a slightly elevated perspective your body breathing itself so that you become more than the one breathing. You become the observer or the witness, the one who watches your body breathing itself And in this way, by sitting still, your emotions become calm. You feel safe and relaxed, which allows you to feel even safer and more relaxed. And the many thoughts that compete for our attention when we're wide awake begin to settle down and there are fewer thoughts they're less frenetic and the gaps between our thoughts expand as you simply watch your breath And if you're new to this and your thoughts don't want to release, they keep demanding your attention, trying to bring you back to the wide awake state, as if demanding that your mind race, gently let go. As if reassuring your mind, as if it were a little child that needed gentle, loving discipline, that everything is okay. And you can think about these problems, these seemingly urgent thoughts, later, right now. You're just watching your breath. And feeling your emotions become calm, like the surface of a pond that says, smooth as glass. And imagine yourself in a beautiful setting, outdoors perhaps, or in a favorite room or space. I like to imagine myself outdoors. I always feel so safe in nature. And I have in front of me a sketch pad. And I want to draw nature. I want to make a beautiful drawing. And I reach for my colored pencils. But there's only two of them. There's a black one and a white one. So I begin to sketch, but I'm very disappointed that two is all I have. 
And of course, given the topic today, you understand the allegory. To believe that everything is either right or wrong, good or bad, with nothing in the middle. is a way of being safe when there is clear and present danger. You either fight or you run. Anything that seems other than you is either a friend or an enemy. It's sort of a shoot first and ask questions later kind of situation when the danger is real and clear and present. So remind yourself what an exceedingly rare circumstance that is. That you're almost never in danger. Except perhaps on the freeway, that's probably the biggest danger to any of us. Besides what we do to ourselves with bad habits, like smoking cigarettes or drinking alcohol to excess. But even on the freeway, you don't want to compete with people. You're safer when you cooperate. And you bring that feeling to mind. You may ask yourself, how would it feel the next time I get in the car and jump on the freeway to imagine that Everyone here is as conscious as I am now of the importance to all concerned of cooperating rather than competing. Species of animals that compete don't do nearly as well as animals and plants that cooperate. In spite of surface appearances, a study of nature, biology, and botany, and zoology and such, will reveal that cooperation trumps competition every time. cooperation among diverse animals and plants, diverse species, and even diverse, unique individuals within a given species. You realize how beautiful and essential this is to life. And you look down at your colored pencils and now there are more than a hundred different colors. Some you could not even name, but they stand between the primary colors. You have three primary colors, seven colors in the rainbow. Here you have hundreds of colors. Your computer generates millions of colors, all variations and permutations and combinations that stand between 
all color and no color, black and the white. If we're talking about pigment, all color together is black, no color is white. If you're talking about light, no color is black, and all colors is white light. In Hawaii, it is said that all people come from the same rainbow. And so all of your colors here are really of the primary three part of the basic seven, and yet you, you have hundreds and hundreds of different colored pencils to choose from as you paint your picture, as you color in your life. Say to yourself silently and internally, as if whispering inside your head, I have choices. I have lots of choices. I have more choices than are immediately apparent. Many, many more choices than are immediately apparent. And I choose to be one who is aware of my infinite choices. I am the one who chooses. I am the witness. I am free to choose. And if this isn't quite right, and that isn't going to really work for me, you look beyond those two, or maybe between those two, for a third choice known in philosophy as the middle way, this breaks open the rigid, bipolar, binary, black or white, right or wrong, only all good or all bad, all differences must be opposites and therefore in opposition and therefore threatening. The third way breaks all of that wide open. And now the fourth option becomes available, a fifth possibility, a sixth variation, a seventh way of looking at things. And now you're a dangerous person in the best sense of the word. You're a subversive you're a creative radical, no longer bound by the simplistic conventions 
of narrow-minded people seeking to control you through your fear and limiting all possibilities to one way or the other. You're free. To perceive infinite choices always for the greater good of all concerned not choosing which of these two is right and who is wrong not taking sides but always wanting what's best for all concerned moving from a you or me world to a you and me world. For spirituality is always inclusive. Love excludes no one and no thing. Not even that which would at first glance appear perhaps to be wrong or bad, or even evil. Reflect upon this. Repeat this process. Open your mind and open your heart to the richness and the beauty and the fulfillment of diversity in all things and find your power and your strength in a universe of love and light. Prepare to move from focus, narrow awake, and alert to wider awake and alert before opening your eyes bring to mind what you'll see in a moment when you do and as you inhale nice full deep breath now breathe it in hold as you peek for just a moment now exhale slowly and open your eyes wide awake alert rested refreshed back in the room feeling fine better than before in a beautiful, rich world of diversity. In all things, in all ways, seek it out. All right? Don't hang just with people that agree with you and smile and nod like a bobble-headed doll. Seek out people who disagree with you, who have different points of view, and hopefully who are kind and gentle and wise individuals who seek harmony and even unity through diversity. Thanks very much for being with us, whether live or by podcast. Again, All kinds of information is available, including the podcasts and dozens of wonderful articles 
called Wisdom Nuggets at our website, theagelesswisdom.com. The T-H-E is part of it. After the W's, theagelesswisdom.com. And become a subscriber, a sustainer at our premium audio site for 99 cents a week when you subscribe. No contract, three ninety-six a month. Put it on your ATM card. It's totally easy. At least get a free account and check it out. You'll get six free programs. If you just leave your first name and an email address at focusedpassion.com. The W's.focusedpassion.com. You know, four of the six free programs you get are accelerated learning programs. Give them to your children. All right, or give if you don't have kids, give them to the neighbor's kids. Nobody should have to struggle through school without having exposure to these simple, easy, and yet powerfully effective learning techniques. Why you would deny them to your kids, I, I can't imagine. So go pick them up. They're absolutely free. Get a free account at FocusedPassion.com. Just leave your name and your email address and you get the free built-in player. It's all there for you. And then if you choose to subscribe for three ninety-six a month, you get a new program added to that player every week. Studio quality, both Steve Snyder and myself, together we have over 70 years of experience in the personal development field. And I know you're going to like these programs. So... Don't cheat yourself. Don't deny yourself the best of what's available. And that makes all of this possible. You'll have the good feeling of knowing you're supporting the Mystery School and all of the other work that we do. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. And uh, as always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner for the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. Aloha from Maui, Hawaii.